Welcome to the Library Service Safety and Security Podcast with Dr. Steve Albrecht. I'm the very same Dr. Steve Albrecht, and this podcast is sponsored by Library 2.0 and produced by the founder of Library 2.0, Steve Hargadon. My topic for this half hour is the spirit of service. Do your library employees have the spirit of service? This program is a third part of a three-part discussion that I have had uh, concerning the work of my father, Dr. Carl Albrecht. My dad is at carlalbrecht.com. That's K-K-A-R-L, Albrecht, my last name, .com. So carlalbrecht.com for more information. This is the third part. The first part, I talked about the Code of Quality Service, a series of behaviors around the service orientation for our, our employees. The second was the Code of Civility, which is how we get along with each other in the workplace environment. This third one is the spirit of service. It is a collection of 20 behaviors that can help all library employees focus on not just the how-to part of good customer service or great customer service, but the why, how and why we serve our patrons, what spirit and what spirit means in the library environment. If you'll recall, there is a booklet, which was the Code of Quality Service booklet, and there's also a Code of Civility booklet, and not surprisingly, we have a booklet as well for the Spirit of Service. We can customize those for your library, put your library logo on the cover, and create a message from either you as a library director, or uh, you can give it to your library director to have a message put inside. So we can customize those booklets. So just get in contact with Steve Hargadon at Library 2.0 if you want to talk about it. So the idea of the spirit of service is kind of an abstract concept. What it means is how we serve people with energy and enthusiasm and motivation. And even when we don't feel like it, even when we're not feeling that energetic and that motivated and that enthusiastic about our work sometimes, what do we do to have the spirit of service? And you look at some businesses where the spirit of service is built into their their logo, their credo, their operating principle. Southwest Airlines would be a, one example that I think about from when I used to fly a lot on those folks, um, how they have the spirit of service. I look at other organizations where they seem pleased to get your business, pleased to accept your money, pleased to, to do business with you. And they hire the types of people who are enthusiastic over the phone, face-to-face, -face, over the counter, or out in the field. So when we look at this concept of spirit of service, it is an ability to to communicate with coworkers and bosses and our patrons in a way that shows the enthusiasm that we bring to our jobs. And so let's go over these, these 20 behaviors, what we call, or what my dad calls, the spirit of service. The first one, number one, is service should mean something to all of us. My dad defines service as, quote, anything a person does that contributes something of value to someone else. That certainly applies to the library. We have lots of things that we contribute value to our communities, to our patrons, to our special needs patrons, to people that are coming in for information and help and support and guidance and just the place to be. So service should mean something to all of us. It is a value. It is an experience that we create every time we encounter somebody over the phone, face-to-face, -face, over the Internet, over the counter, as we walk by and we engage with them. The second one is a big one for me. Service is all about feelings. And it starts with a feeling that we have as library employees and ends with a feeling that the patrons have from their perspective about how they were served. Think about this idea that we've talked about in the Code of Quality Service, which is each of these encounters is a moment of truth. Every time we come in contact with somebody in the library environment, it is a moment of truth where they, the person being served, the patron, scores our 
level of service, the quality of service that we provide on a scorecard that he or she carries around inside their head. We all do that in our own interactions as well, but it's especially true in this idea of moments of truth inside the library. So when we look at services about feelings, it's a way that we start out with good feelings at the beginning and we try to end with good feelings at the end. That's not always possible. Sometimes service interactions don't go as we anticipate or as planned. Sometimes the patrons can be difficult or dismissive or obnoxious or rude or even entitled or impolite. But when we think about service, it's about feelings, how you want to leave having been served by somebody positively, successfully, the idea that they solved your problem as inexpensively or as quickly as possible, that, that we value people's time in the library, we value the patron's time when they come in. So getting through the transaction quickly, efficiently, effectively, ethically, carefully, whatever you want to use to describe it, and all the things that we do in the library, where we treat people with dignity and respect, we, we recognize the diversity in the library and the pe people and the patrons that we serve. But it's about feelings, uh, the, the feeling that you have when you get out of bed and come into work, the feeling you have when you interact with patrons all through the day, not just at the beginning, but the end of the day as well, the feeling that you get when you interact with coworkers and bosses, and this idea that we've talked about before of serving each other. We serve the external patron for sure, but we also serve each other. Ser bosses serve their employees. Uh, we serve people in other departments, and we certainly, if you work in a department which is not a patron contact department, that you serve people inside the library as well. So it's about good feelings and what you can do throughout the day with your energy, enthusiasm, your spirit, to make sure that you have the same sense of, of wanting to help people at the start of your shift as you do all the way through to the end. The third point in Carl Albrecht's Spirit of Service booklet is, what is the spirit of service? It's a question mark. What is the spirit of service? And my father defines it as an attitude based on certain values and beliefs that you have as a service provider about the people you serve, about the life you have led to this point, the work that you do, and the, the work that you have done that leads you to willingly serve others and take pride in what you do and pride in the work that you do on behalf of other people. The spirit of service is an abstract concept. It says it's a feeling that we get when we engage with people that we take pride in what we do. We don't see service as a subservient role. We don't see it as a one-down role. We don't see it as something that you know, um, is something that you should not be proud of. Uh, whatever level you are in the organization, part-time employee, full-time employee, page, intern, volunteer, whatever it happens to be, department director, manager, person in charge, that you're taking ownership, that you're proud of what you do, you're proud of your coworkers, you're proud of the library environment, where you work, the setting where you are, that you take pride in the work that you do when you engage with people. That's the spirit of service. The fourth point is the people we serve need our best efforts. Think about great service providers are also great listeners. Maybe our patrons are not always the best listeners at some point in time. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. But we need to be, as service providers in the library, really good listeners that we don't get distracted by side conversations or side work or computer screens. We focus on helping people. And our service interactions require concentration and that you pay attention and that you're a good active listener. You're paying attention, you're making eye contact, maybe you're taking notes, you're engaging with people. Think about how so many people in the library environment and elsewhere get distracted by the screens and the phones and the things that they're doing and they don't engage in active listening or good listening, empathic listening skills. Um, service also takes stamina. Think about your best efforts to serve people when you don't feel well. You have a cold, you're tired, 
you have not gotten enough sleep or night night before or haven't eaten well and you just don't feel like being there because your energy level is low that's when you have to gear up and say okay this is like a performance in a play i've got to be ready to act even when i don't feel that that great concentration effort stamina all ready to do your best in the servants environment at the start of your workday all the way through to the end of your workday point number five the spirit of service you have three service roles you have a worker role where you're doing your job with a commitment to excellence a commitment to your bosses a commitment to the leadership a commitment to the co-workers and also to your patrons as well in your worker role you're doing your work within the job description and job duties as defined to you and other duties as assigned that are appropriate and reasonable and within the course and scope of your employment of course you have a interactive role with your bosses to listen and hear what he or she wants you to do and what's good for the department what's good for the team what's good for the facility so do your job that's the worker role the second role is your team member role where you're helping your coworkers and your colleagues and you're sharing information and time and effort and support for them even when they're dealing with difficult people or challenging people when they're dealing with difficult or challenging projects things that are that are taking up a lot of their time and effort you can come in and ease their load you can make it easier for them to do their job by helping them and vice versa they're helping you do your job as well so team members we pitch in we share we support we do good things on behalf of each other and and the key for both of these the worker role and the team member role is not necessarily that you have to be told to do these things but you think about it that you volunteer that you jump in that you add value to the experience by jumping in as necessary that you don't hog it and take it over unless you're asked to take things over and you don't sit in the back and let let somebody else fail but they're just supportive that you come in and as a team member as a worker you dive in and do the work to make the day go faster to get the projects done to get patrons satisfied and on their way the third role that you have as a service provider in the spirit of service concept is to be an ambassador and i would call a brand ambassador a brand ambassador for your library you're always being watched or even judged by the patrons you're wearing a name tag you're wearing a library shirt you're wearing something that identifies you as a library employee the patrons don't care how long you've been there what your job title is how long you've worked there that you're tired your feet hurt you want to go home they don't care they want good service they expect it there's an expectation that you engage with them and help them all the way through the work shift so your third role is to be a brand ambassador and a brand ambassador says when people are watching you that they look at what you do so if you're eating or you know not paying attention or doing something that seems unprofessional or joking around with colleagues about something that happened on the weekend that could be perceived as unprofessional you may hear about it from an from a, a supervisor you may hear about it from a a patron who has complained so does mean you have to be a robot does mean you can't enjoy your work but be cognizant of the fact that you are being looked at and watched and observed by patrons all the time and in a professional environment they look to see how you act and they look to see how you function in the work environment as if you're being professional appropriate when you are there that's the expectation that they have now even sometimes patrons don't act all that well they're they're uncooperative or difficult in their behavior we have to be professional and stay above that and and act in a professional manner in that brand ambassador role as an example i tell the public works guys i do a lot of work with public works environment that you know if you throw a cigarette outside the public works truck or that you're caught sleeping on on duty in the truck or even if you're just taking a break you know you're closing your eyes for a couple minutes or you're looking at your phone in the parking lot somebody in the community sees that and they write the mayor they call the mayor they call the city council members or the board of supervisors that they know and complain that you're not doing your job 
So make sure that if you need to take a break, that you take a break off the floor. If you want to get a snack or kind of revive yourself, that you do it back behind the scenes. We want to create a professional environment when people are looking at us, when we're on the floor, to say, this is the job that I'm doing. I'm representing the library in a positive way. The sixth point in Carl Albrecht's spirit of service is nobody is too important to serve others. Think about library leaders, directors, managers, supervisors, the person in charge for that week or day or month or that shift. They need to serve their coworkers and the people that work for them just as their, their library employees serve them and serve the patrons. So if you're a leader, part of the work of being a skilled leader is to make it easier for employees to do their job, to remove obstacles that, that make it hard for them to do their job successfully. And also effective leaders know when to jump in and get their hands dirty and demonstrate that they still know how to do the work in front of their coworkers, in front of their, their team members, in front of their employees, and also in front of the patrons, that you're not too proud or too important or too too tied up in other work to be able to jump in as necessary to work on the ultimate service experience, which is helping patrons on the floor. When you look at the concept of not being too important to serve others, you say, I have a liaison role between the patron and the and the employees to solve problems and come in sometimes, you know, patrons need to, I want to speak to a supervisor, kind of an experience, you come over and you handle that with skill, you support your employees, you don't embarrass your employees, you, you make sure that, that the patron knows that, you know, you're, you're listening and that, that, but you've also got the back of your, your employees as well. So nobody's too important to serve, nobody's too much of a big shot in the library hierarchy, the organizational chart to be able to do patron work, to be able to shelve books, to do all the basic stuff that we do as part of the library. Number seven is kind of a overarching concept is to lead is to serve. Library leaders have a, a two-way relationship. They serve the employees and they lead the employees. They get stuff done by delegating and giving assignments to people to do stuff that's within their skill set and their training and knowledge and expertise. And that they also realize that they have to take care of their employees that they manage breaks and lunches and, and off time and holidays and vacations and mental health days and things like that so that employees have a work-life balance and that they're cognizant of work-life balance as an important leadership skill that they take care of. Bosses serve people and they serve their people and they also serve the patrons, but to lead is to serve and to serve is to lead. Both of those go in the connection of taking care of the patrons, taking care of the employees, but leading from the front and sometimes also leading from the rear, which is I can let people do things on their own, my employees, because they know how to do it. I'm comfortable with their their approach. I'm comfortable with their contribution. I'm comfortable with their uh, the end result of what they're doing and let them do it. And so leadership at a lot of levels in library is about that balance between being too much involved, the micromanager, and being not enough involved, the missing manager. So lead is to serve. The eighth point, everybody is important in the chain of service. The chain of service starts at the frontline level to the patron, but all the things that have to happen to make sure the library functions. We have janitorial staff, we have maintenance staff, we have, we have people that keep the building operating, the facilities people. We have people that work in the front part of the business, the front of the house, as we would say if we were in a restaurant business, versus the back of the house. Back of the house employees are IT and, and facilities and people that work in research and, and answer phones and things like that that aren't necessarily on the floor with the patrons. Those folks are just as important as the people that do the patron interactive work as well. All library staffers, regardless of their job titles, their, their years of experience there or the lack thereof, means that they're still important no matter how long you've been there or how short you've been there. 
this goes back to how important it is to onboard people that are brand new employees to the library, that we provide training to brand new employees, that we nurture and support them so that they feel like this is a place where they can stay and grow and develop and promote if they want to. And so onboarding has a lot to do with retention and how people see the work that they're doing as valuable and important. Uh, a lot of it in con is connected to the use of praise by each other, that we can praise each other without necessarily having to be a supervisor, but that we get praise from our supervisors as well. So whether it's, it's part-time employees or volunteers or pages or interns or people that work in the Friends of the Library part of the bookstore, employees that have been there for a long time or a short time, everybody is important in the level of service that starts with the floor action, you know, between the interaction between the patron and the employee all the way up to the leadership level and out to the outlying levels, which is the back of the house off the floor type of work which is done by people who you know the IT facilities uh, IT people and facilities people and and the folks that bring the the library to life the, as a facility so that it can operate uh, if we don't have somebody who knows how to work the telephone system if we don't have somebody who knows how to work the inter internet if we don't have somebody who knows how to keep the building powered and cool and warm and safe then we're we're lacking so all those things are important in the chain of service we provide to the patron so number nine is related to that. Some of us serve unseen. It's the nature of the job that sometimes you say, well, if I don't see the library patron, I'm not in the service business, but you are. Even if you don't serve the patrons, as my dad said, your job is to serve somebody who does. Even if you don't serve the customer, your job is to serve somebody who does. And so even if you're not in a patron contact role, your job is to support and serve other parts of the library organization and serve those coworkers who do interact with the patrons. So working behind the scenes is just as valuable and just as important as the people that have the frontline patron contact positions. So we're halfway through of our list of 20. This is number 10. In the spirit of service, your coworkers are your customers too. Your coworkers count on you to deliver information and support and information uh, about products and books and using the web. And you may have lots of skills in one area that they don't and vice versa. You have a responsibility to support your supervisors, and your supervisors have a responsibility to sort, support you. And we have responsibility, equal responsibility to serve our coworkers and colleagues so they can do their job. We may have different customers. We may have different priorities. We may have different deadlines. But we have the same goals. So when you look at your coworkers or also your customers, you may have the expertise, the job knowledge, the technical expertise, whatever happens to be, that can help them do their part quickly and, and safely and effectively and efficiently, and vice versa. They may have something that they know how to do really well that they can help you with. So whenever I look at delegation tasks, whenever I look at helping supervisors and leaders when it comes to the management of projects, we say, who's the best person for this job? Who's the best fit? And maybe someone needs to learn how to do this as part of their expanding role, or we have somebody who's our go-to expert in the library for this particular technical issue, uh, research issue, whatever happens to be. Those are the people that serve the rest of us very skillfully. So for number 11, we're kind of back over to more of an abstract concept. Do you have the spirit of service? That's number 11. Do you have the spirit of service? Are you coming to work with enthusiasm, energy, positive attitude? Are you ready for your work shift? It's easy to have motivation and energy at the beginning of the day. We all do, or at least after coffee, right? 
it's harder at the end of a long day, especially at nighttime, seven, eight, nine o'clock at night when you're still working in a public contact job, high human contact transactional jobs, especially when you're doing the same thing over and over again, can be tiring. Do you have the spirit of service all the way through your workday? And that doesn't mean you have to be a cheerleader all the time, and especially when people perceive that as phony. It doesn't mean you have to say, this is terrific when things aren't so terrific, but do you have a positive attitude? Do you have enthusiasm that's good for the business all the way through the workday? It's sincere, it's real, it's, it's an energy that you bring to the work that you do. So we have a couple, three examples in these next three. Number 12, the ancient Greeks called the spirit of service agape. This purest definition means a feeling of unconditional love and concern for others. In our workspace, we don't have to love or like everybody, but in our workspace, this idea is, is about being unselfish and supportive and approachable and connected and friendly and kind to supervisors and colleagues and patrons, kind to the people we work with. This agape is, uh, is unconditional, meaning that we treat everybody the same, firmly, fairly, reasonably ethically, humanely, with empathy, with patients, whether they're patrons or whether they're co-workers. Doesn't we have to love or like everybody, but we have to coexist and get along in the workspace. We have to get along with the patrons we serve, even if they can be eccentric or demanding or challenging, that we are, we are really focused on being connected to them in this idea of agape. Number 13, the ancient Hawaiians called it aloha or the aloha spirit. In Hawaii, aloha as a concept has many, many definitions, and it's a spirit of, of connection and oneness with the earth and the ocean and the plants and the animals on the islands and with others. And it's a feeling of love and friendship and family and a connection that they share through something called the breath. And so if you look at the word aloha, alo, A-L-O, deep within, and ha is breath, right, in Hawaiian, deep within the breath, is a sense of oxygenating, so to speak, our spirit of service. It's in our DNA. It's what we do. It's our connection to serving other people that we have done historically in this world for generations. At work, the Aloha spirit is, is even joyful and perceptive and connected, and it welcomes the uniqueness of every person we serve. But this Aloha spirit is all about this sort of energy that comes from the breath inside of us, this feeling of connection to other people. Number 14, if you go back to sort of the Bible approach or the biblical definition, some people call it the golden rule, do unto others as you would have others do unto you. Um, sort of the more modern version of the golden rule is treat people the way you want to be treated. And I would argue that there's another approach and another way of looking at that, which is called the platinum rule. The platinum rule says treat people the way they want to be treated. Sometimes, and if I had a, a disagreement with the golden rule, it would be this, which is sometimes we are asking ourselves, well, what would I want in this situation? Or what do I need in this situation? Or what would be good for me? When in reality, if we're thinking about coworkers or bosses or patrons, what do they need? What problem are they trying to solve? How can I help them with their burden? Think of the way we see people. And it's clear for some people that they're carrying some heavy luggage around, heavy Samsonite. And it's clear for colleagues and coworkers that some of them have a lot of off-the-job issues and on-the-job issues, which make them just exhausted and sometimes exhausting to be around. So the golden rule says, we'll treat people the way they want to be treated, but also take it to the next level, that platinum rule, which is treat people the way they want to be treated. And we do that by asking good questions. We do that by being empathic, by being a good listener and asking respectful questions that sort of clarify the issue for the patron or for the employee that we're trying to, trying to serve. 
So I like the golden rule, do, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, or treat people the way you want to be treated. I think we just add a second piece to it, which is the platinum rule, treat people the way they want to be treated. And the best way to figure that out is to ask them carefully, respectfully, what they need. Sometimes you can help them, sometimes you can't, but it starts with an understanding. Okay, we're in the home stretch. Number 15, we all have to work together. You may have worked around people that spend more time complaining than actually doing the work. You may work around people that have done these things, these transactional things, these project things. So many times they're a little bit burnt out. I get that. You have to look at the work you do as challenging, even though it doesn't seem that challenging. We've got to work together because what you do makes a big difference on how somebody else can get their work done. We've all worked around passive-aggressive people that hold up their part of the project or hold up their piece of information so that you can't get yours done or that you miss a deadline. Uh, that's not useful. The spirit of service says we work together. Work is work. It's not always fun. It's not always easy. It's not always different. But sometimes it can be something where you just simply say, I will focus on the moment. And I kind of have a Zen perspective on this, which is I just look at what's good about this particular moment. I'm indoors. There's air conditioning, access to coffee. Uh, I'm safe. I'm comfortable. I'm getting paid to do this. Um, I'm working around people that, that make me feel good. I'm working and doing things that are, I am respected for in terms of my experience and expertise. So working together, we take a minimum of complaint. We look at things and say the more faster and more effectively and safely and quickly and correctly we get something done, we can move on to something else. Working together makes the day go faster. Working in partnerships and teams with coworkers, colleagues, and bosses gets the job done in an easier way. 16, caring about others starts with caring about yourself. So this is a positive attitude. This is good feelings. This is a kind of a sense of appreciating yourself and having good feelings about yourself and that, that you can take care of others when you feel good, that you communicate your feelings to other people in an effective way, eye contact, tone, body language, good feelings that come across as you speak to people, as you engage with them over the phone or, or over the counter, that you're making adjustments in your perception of how you feel that particular day so that you're serving better, that you take care of yourself with food and sleep and breaks and holidays and vacations, get back to the things that you want to do in your off time, hobbies, reading, activities, things that you do by yourself or with your family that are nourishing and, and valuable for you. You can't care about other people unless you care about yourself. 17, this is kind of a reality check in the spirit of service discussion here. The people you serve may not always be lovable. Customer is not always right. If you believe the customer is always right, then you have been given poor training in customer service. Sometimes the customer is dead wrong. Sometimes they're dead wrong at the top of their lungs. Patrons can be difficult and entitled, rude, impolite, obnoxious, abrupt. Um, they don't thank you for the work that you do sometimes. Um, they don't take no for an answer from you. They don't listen to what you are saying as something that may not be able to be done. Um, sometimes they lie about things. I was told I didn't have to pay that finer fee. Everybody's got their own struggles and battles, emotional difficulties that they're dealing with on and off the job, coworkers, patrons alike. Try not to take what people say to you personally. Um, I, I teach this in training. We talk about the Q-tip. Quit taking it personally, get an actual Q-tip and carry it around and put it somewhere that's a, kind of a reminder, a mnemonic at your desktop or in your pocket that says, this person is usually mad at the situation, not at you specifically. They don't care what your job title is or how long you've been there. Your function is to serve them 
get them on their way, well served, as best as you can, and that's a value judgment on them and your part is whether or not you did your job as effectively as you could, even if they're, they're not the best patron we've ever dealt with, that you get them on their way, comma, relatively satisfied, comma, that you did the best you could. 18, you may not always be feeling your best when it comes to serving people. It's about energy and enthusiasm, and sometimes you've got to fake it, and sometimes you have to role play it. And sometimes you have to role play positive feelings and enthusiasm for the whole day, even when you don't feel that great, until you can go home and kind of recharge your batteries. When I say fake it, I don't mean being insincere. But I do mean that sometimes we have to say, I'm going to ramp up. I'm going to gear up for this. It's like being in a play. This is the first time this person's ever been to the library. I come here every day for months, weeks, years, decades. I've got to ramp it up a little bit until I can get home and recharge my batteries or take my long weekend or take a mental health day or take a vacation, it's easy sometimes to get burnt out. When you're not feeling your best, it tends to leak out of you when it comes to impacting or, or uh, serving both our coworkers and our bosses and also the patron. Home stretch, number 19, at the moment of truth, quote unquote, my dad talked about moments of truth. Anytime somebody comes in contact with the organization, they make a value judgment about it, the service that they got. At the moment of truth, says number 19, it's up to you. Over the counter, in the stacks, online, face-to-face, -face, over the telephone, every interaction we have with somebody, they make a little score in that internal report card that they carry around in their head, as we have them too, about the quality of service they received, the level of service that they got from you, about your politeness, about your knowledge, about how you handled them at the beginning of the exchange and the encounter, how you handled them at the end. Did they feel listened to, valued, heard? They didn't feel disrespected or embarrassed. You didn't accidentally or intentionally embarrass them in front of their peers or their family or their kids. And when you think about these moments of truth, it's really up to you. You have a lot to say in how they go away feeling served, how they go away feeling well served, how they go away feeling valued, how they go away feeling connected to the library. And there may be just a brief moment. And maybe they don't say anything to you as they leave. Maybe they don't say thank you after you spent two hours working with them on an internet project. But you know that you've managed those moments of truth correctly, that you've done a good job. Last one, number 20, we're all in this work together. Take care of your bosses, take care of your coworkers, take care of yourself physically and emotionally as you can take care of yourself that you manage your stress, that you get good nutrition, good sleep, good exercise, good downtime, get back to those things where you feel good about your life and it, that'll come over to how you feel about, about your work. We serve each other, we serve the, our bosses, we serve the patrons, we serve our community, we serve the elected officials, everybody who has a connection to the library. So Carl Albrecht's Spirit of Service, 20 thoughtful, practical steps towards improving and sustaining your own brand of service excellence. Again, we can customize copies of this 20-page Spirit of Service booklet for your library. Put your logo on there and a message from the library director. Contact Steve Hargadon at Library 2.0 if you want more information about that. So thanks for listening to the Library Service Safety and Security Podcast with Dr. Steve Albrecht. Until next time, I'm Steve Albrecht, and thanks for your time and attention and this podcast sponsored by Library 2.0.